Welcome to Letter to Philippi Live, our daily broadcast looking at Paul's letter to Phil the Philippians, Letter to Philippi, and today we'll be looking at uh, Philippians 2, 12 through 18. So we're just having trouble getting one of our streams going, so I will uh, get that fixed, getting our Instagram going. So again, this is Letter to Philippi Live, a daily broadcast looking at Paul's letter to Philippi. Today we'll be looking at Philippians 2, 12 through 18. And uh, we'll be uh, getting started with a word of prayer, and then we'll go into our study today. We concluded the Messianic hymn yesterday, and now we're moving into a section that I entitled, Paul's Call to New Life in Messiah. And how he's continuing to teach the Philippians and us by example, the continuing calling to live the new life in the Messiah, to live for them mostly a Gentile community as redeemed Gentiles, for us who are Messianic Jews, for us to live our lives as Jewish followers of the Jewish Messiah, and ones living our lives ordered by Torah and ordered by living as Talmudim of Yeshua, our righteous Messiah. We'll start with a word of prayer, and then we will go into our study. O oh Lord, you are good. We thank you. We bless you, your holy name for this day. We thank you for each day we have to study your word, to look in these words of your holy servant, Paul, and to find things in them, in these words, to apply to our lives so we can, as Paul calls us, to become more and more and more in the Messiah. Help that to be something we, we that goes, that happens to us today. Help us become more like you because these words we study today. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the life you've given us in the Messiah. In whose holy name we pray. Amen. So we are looking at Philippians 2, 12 through 18 today. And uh, we'll go to uh, reading the first, first uh, looking at verse 12 first. So I'll put that up on the screen. So we first first start with the verse 12, which says, So dear friends, just as you've always obeyed when I was with you, it's even more important that you obey now when I'm away from you. Keep working on your deliverance with fear and trembling. After Paul had said before the Philippians, the ultimate model of humility in the Messiah Yeshua, in the Messianic hymn we've looked at over the last two weeks, 
verses 6 through 11 of chapter 2. The Messiah Yeshua became a slave and a willing sacrifice for the divine plan. Paul here moves on to call the Philippians to practical modeling of the humble nature of the Messiah. As the founder of the Philippian faith community, an apostle to the Gentiles, Paul asserts his authority via a letter, this letter to the Philippians, which served as a proxy for his appearance in person since he was imprisoned in Rome. So Paul is imprisoned in Rome, as, we, as we've made clear throughout our study, and wrote this letter to the people of Philippi from prison. And this letter is being sent as a proxy for him being with the people in Philippi. So he's unable to, to go to them because he's in prison. But he sends this letter as a proxy for his appearance with them and as sent as his word to the, to the Philippians. And this will be delivered to them by Epaphroditus, which we'll talk about later. Though Paul is separated by distance from the Philippians, being imprisoned in Rome, and they in Philippi in, in Greece, he offers official words of instruction, but he does so in love as evidence by referring to the Philippians as my dear friends. His words display the intimacy and immediacy of the relationship Paul had created with the Philippian community. But he had been there in person. Paul's love for the Philippians flowed from his own love for God and obedience to God. As a Jew, Paul has practiced Jewish Torah observance through acts of obedience ordered by Torah throughout his whole life. For the mostly Gentile Philippian community, obedience would be different than for Messian Jews in Philippi, but the same motivation of simple obedience would still apply. As we have seen earlier, Yeshua's own obedience to God and his plan, even death on the Roman stake on the cross, was to be the path for many of those who called Yeshua Lord. The life of obedience to God is an ongoing obligation for Paul, who urges the Philippians to keep working on their salvation by continual spiritual growth modeling the Messiah. So Paul here is, is making clear to the Philippians that, that their new life in the Messiah is to be a life of obedience to God and modeling Yeshua, our righteous Messiah, and to live the new life that they live. As I said, being this is a mostly Gentile community, but then to live as redeemed Gentiles. And Paul here is now speaking to them as the one who established the Messianic community of Philippi and wants them to understand their new life and that the importance for them to, to obey what they've been taught and to obey what they know from the scriptures and to live their lives modeling Yeshua, our righteous Messiah. In verse 13, we read, For God is the one working among you, both the willing and the working for what pleases him. As the Philippians are being called to model Yeshua by Paul, Paul here demonstrates to the Philippians the importance of their work for Messiah by continuing the work of Messiah going in Philippi and also demonstrating the transformation in their lives as seen in what John Walward's comment, biblical scholar John Walward commented on Philippians 2.12 and he wrote, the work of Messiah on the cross 
was only the beginning of the work of God for man. Rich as was its provisions in the redemption provided for the entire world, the application of the redemption to the individual, and the realization and spiritual experience of victory over sin involves the subsequent undertaking of God. God's method using the work of Messiah as the basis and example of Messiah as the pattern is to re reproduce in the life of the follower of Messiah, a mind of Messiah. The strength, the secret of this is bound up in the phrase, God worketh in you, in verse 12. However, it is presented as an experience of believers, of manifesting the salvation which God provides in the life of victory and obedience. Paul here shares with the Philippians that all we seek to do in the service of God comes from God's grace. It is only by God's grace that followers of Yeshua can act righteously because it is in union with Yeshua that empowers right living. As the verse states, it is God working in the Yeshua follower that gives empowerment for good works. The Complete Jewish Study Bible clarifies verse 13 here from a Jewish perspective when it wrote, where it's written, this passage reveals a paradox of both human free will and God's foreknowledge. God is active and not separate from his creation. It is foreknowledge does not explicitly mean foreordination, and that he grants humankind free will. It would be a denial of God's own nature to not do the work that pleases him. For as stated by Rabbi Akiva, all is foreseen and free will is given. So in this we see that, that God is active in the life of the believers. As one seeks to more model the Messiah, there is the empowerment of God, the empowerment of the Spirit of God to empower the believer, the follow the follower of Yeshua, to become more and more like the Messiah. That in in striving to be like the Messiah is well pleasing to God and is well pleasing to to His service, and He gives the empowerment, as as we've seen earlier in in what words of Yeshua that He says, "If you love Me, you will keep My commands, and I will grant you the Comforter to empower you." So in in obeying the commands of God and modeling the, the humility and the self-sacrifice of Yeshua, we are given the power of the Spirit to more and more serve Him and to more and more be like our Messiah. In verse 14 we read, do everything without grumbling or arguing. In the earliest versions of, of the Jewish New Testament, it used, used the word kvetching or grumbling. And that's the first the, in the, the original Jewish New Testament used Yiddish terms throughout the, the more recent, more recent revisions of it have removed the, the various Yiddish words and the, replaced kvetching with grumbling here. But we still have the same purpose to do everything without grumbling or arguing, do everything without kvetching or arguing. One of the major themes of the Philippian letter is joyful unity within the Messianic community. And clearly, verse 14 addresses action. It could be antithetical and the opposite of bringing unity by having complaining and arguing. As Paul has called the Philippians early in the chapter to model the sacrificial giving of the Messiah, 
Paul here continues here to stress the unity, that unity impacts the local community and also the outside world, which Paul terms a twisted and perverted generation in verse 15. It is in living without grumbling and disputing that unity can be reached in community. In laying aside these negative attitudes, the Philippians can stand renewed, unified in the community, to be a positive example of Yeshua in the pagan world of Philippi. So Paul here is making clear that is that the import of unity in the community that, that we'll see, see in chapter four, there's an issue of disunity between two of the leaders in the community. So early on in this letter, he's setting up the, the understanding of that grumbling and arguing are antithetical to building a messianic community that is unified. He calls people of Philippi, and that's by example to understand that arguing, grumbling is antithetical, is against the model of modeling the Messiah, that, that we are to live in unity, to avoid arguing and grumbling for the sake of the unity of the community as we stand as a community, a communal representation of the Messiah, that each individual as a part of the community serves to build up or to, to tear apart the community, grumbling and arguing being a source of disunity and breaking up of the community and working together avoiding grumbling and arguing, living in peace with one another and working together builds up the community, builds up the unity of the community and truly models the humility and self-sacrifice of Messiah Yeshua. Yeshua is the supreme example of humility. And for those in Philippi that Paul is calling to be more and more and more in the Messiah, the first important step is to remove all obstacles to pure living there's grumbling and arguing, which represent the opposite of the Yeshua's example. So for there to be unity in the community, all those things are distractions, all those things that get in the way are obstacles, like grumbling and arguing, need to be put aside for the sake of having a unified Messianic community, a unified community witnessing to the Messiah in our world. And as we see as Paul will refer to the next verse in verse 15, about the twisted and perverted generation that they lived in in Philippi and the twisted and perverted generation that we live in today, that we need to model the humility, self-sacrifice, and the unity as a messianic community. So next we come to verse 15, and I'll put that up on the, on the screen here. So my dear friends, just as you, as you have always obeyed when I was with you, it is even more important that you obey now when I'm away from you. Keep working on your deliverance and, and with fear and trembling for God is the one working among you, both the willing and the working, what pleases him, do everything without kvetching or arguing. So I actually forgot to move the slide forward, but it's good to, to recall those verses. So. I'll move to verse 15, slide for verse 15. So that you may be blameless and pure children of God without defect in the midst of a twisted and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the sky 
as you hold on to the word of life. If you do this, I'll be able to boast when the day Messiah comes that I did not run or toil for nothing. So that is verses 15 and 16, and we'll look at verse 15 right now. Paul is teaching the Philippians. Let me just read read this so we can see where we're we're starting from again. As just the individual verse. So that you may be blameless and pure children of God without defect in the midst of a twisted and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the sky. Paul is teaching the Philippians that as children of God, they are to live as lights, to shine like stars in a dark world. The Jewish notion of light as a sign of righteousness derives from Daniel chapter 12, where those who are righteous and call others righteousness will shine like stars. Even earlier in the Proverbs, we see the Torah being presented as light. By example, those who follow Torah will shine forth with brightness, the brightness of God's standard for right living. And we see this in Proverbs 6.23. For the mitzvah is a lamp, Torah is light, and reproofs the discipline is the way of life. You read that again. For the mitzvah is a lamp, Torah is light, and reproofs the discipline is is the way of life. In later Jewish tradition, we can see the connection between light and righteousness in Rashi's commentary on Genesis 1-4, when he wrote, And God saw the light that it was good, and God caused a division. And here, here's Rashi's word. Here also we must depend upon the statement of the Agada. He saw that the wicked were unworthy of using it, the light. He therefore set it apart reserving for the righteous in the world to come. So as Paul is calling the people of Philippi to be lights in a dark world, to be lights in a, in a perverse generation, a twisted perverse generation, we can also see, see from, from the, the Proverbs here that the mitzvah is a lamp, the Torah is light, and reproves the discipline is the way of life. Those who live within the mitzvah, those who live within the Torah are are living in the light and living as lights in the dark world. And that is our calling as Jewish followers of Yeshua, to live as lights in, in this dark world by following God's mitzvot, following the, the commands of the Torah, and ordering our life according to the discipline that we get from God's word, from the Torah. So in living a life of Torah, we, we can live as lights, even in this world that is getting darker and darker every day. And as we see from, from this, this commentary by Rashi, that the light of the creation was reserved for the righteous in the world to come. It was set apart for the righteous in the world to come. And those who follow God's commands, who order their lives according to his Torah, will stand as lights in this dark world and in the world to come will will stand in the atonement in the atoning work of messiah yeshua in verse 16 we continue as you hold on to the word of life if you do this i'll be able to boast 
when the day of the Messiah comes, that I did not run or toil for nothing. The word of life is the good news of Messiah Yeshua. In 1 Yochanan, 1 John 1, 1 through 3, we read an extended description of what this word of life that Paul is, is talking about truly is. And we read, the word which gives life, he existed from the beginning. We have heard him, we have seen him with our eyes. We've contemplated him, we have touched him with our hands. The life appeared and we have seen it. We are testifying to it and announcing to you eternal life. He was with the Father and he appeared to us. What we have seen and heard we are proclaiming to you that you too may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Yeshua, the Messiah. Let me read that again. Those are powerful words of what this, what this light, this word of life that Paul is calling the people of Philippi, and us by example, to embrace. He says, the word of life, you do this, I will be able to boast on the day of Messiah as you hold on to the word of life. So what is this word of life? And we see, see in, in 1 Yoke and 1 John, Verses chapter one, verses one through three, that Yohanan John is laying forward what this word of life is that Paul is proclaiming and Paul is calling the Philippians and us by example to embrace in our lives. The word which gives life, he, Yeshua, righteous Messiah, existed from the beginning. We have heard him, Yeshua. We have seen him, Yeshua, with our, our eyes. We have contemplated him, Yeshua, righteous Messiah. We have touched him with our hands. The life appeared and we have seen it. We are testifying to it, announcing to you eternal life. Yeshua was with the Father and he appeared to us. What we have seen and heard we're proclaiming to you that you too may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Yeshua the Messiah. Paul has invested his whole life in his encounter with Yeshua on the road to Damascus, bringing the good news of Yeshua to the Gentile world. The boast he envisions is in the assurance that after years of sacrifice and suffering, the Philippians will hold on to the gospel, to the good news of the Messiah, will hold on to this word of life and shape their lives by walking in it. Paul calls on the Philippians to live lives shaped by walking within the good news of Messiah. Their lives of faithfulness will honor Paul's life of service to Yeshua. Part of his boasting lies in his resting in the reality of his faithful work coming to fruition in the changed lives through his ministry service. So Paul here is calling the Philippians to embrace the word of life, embrace the good news of the Messiah, and to hold on to the word of life. And if and for those he who do that, he sees confidence that in the day when Messiah comes, that his whole life of service to the Messiah, his whole life of suffering and his impending execution would have been all worth the while because of life changed by the message he proclaimed, because of his proclamation of the word of the Messiah and the people in Philippi and throughout the, the, the Greco-Roman world that embraced the Messiah because of his word of testimony and because of his, his influence will be something for him 
to have righteous boasting about because his work was done for the Messiah and his life of suffering was well worth making the Messiah known throughout the world and seeing lives changed. And he knows the faithfulness of the people in Philippi to, to his word. So he knows that he can boast in their faithfulness to God's word. Paul calls the Philippians to live lives shaped by walking within the good news of the Messiah. Their lives of faithfulness will honor Paul's life of service to Yeshua. Part of his boasting lies in his resting in the reality of his faithful work coming to fruition to the changed lives through his ministry service. So as Paul is looking to the end of his life and looking over the suffering that he's gone through for the sake of Messiah, he sees that all of that is vindicated by the faithfulness of the Philippians, by their faithfulness to the word of life that he proclaimed to them. And they're making the word of life known throughout Philippi and throughout Macedonia. And he can he can look to the end of his life that all of his struggles, all the pain, all the suffering has been worthwhile because Messiah has become known throughout the world and lives have been changed for eternity because of his faithful service. And we'll conclude with verses 17 through 18. So we will go to 17 and 18 today as we conclude this time looking at. And we read, Indeed, if my lifeblood is poured out as a drink offering over the sacrifice and service of your faith, I will still be glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you, you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So first we'll look at verse 17. Indeed, if my lifeblood is poured out as a drink offering over the sacrifice and service of your faith, I will still be glad and will rejoice with you all. Here we see Paul referring to his life being poured out as a drink offering, a reference to the common practice of many ancient religions, including Judaism, of drink offerings poured out to, to the god or gods. Paul acknowledges his willingness to suffer and sacrifice on behalf of the Messiah, which he does with joy and his act of service to the Philippians. He is showing them a glowing example of what sincere love and service means in practical terms. As he speaks to them in the letter, Paul is also looking at his impending execution and pictures his whole life of service to Yeshua as a figurative drink offering. His all has been poured out in his word for making the Messiah known. As Philippi was known for all the temple's religious observances of false gods in the emperor cult, Paul's drink offering points to a new priesthood for the Philippians to follow, a priesthood of the one God of Israel. They would be familiar with the sacrifices and drink offerings, the false gods of Philippi. Paul here is calling them in their new life to embrace the new priesthood, the priesthood of the one God of Israel. And the example of Paul's life being poured out as a drink offering for them. Paul's being poured out as a sacrifice for them, the people of Philippi. And as Paul wrote in the letter to the Romans, all of his shoes were willing to offer themselves as a living sacrifice, as we see in Romans 12, 1 through 2. 
So Paul is, is making clear to the Philippians that his whole life has been offered as a living sacrifice to the Messiah. His whole life has been poured out as a drink offering to the Messiah, to the God of Israel. And they are, the, they are, are witnesses of his willing sac- self-sacrifice of himself, his willingness to lay down his life for the Messiah. And Paul is calling them to be strengthened in their faith, knowing that they too, like him, may and will face persecution and suffering and even death for their faith. Paul calls them to understand that that he's glad and rejoicing with them for this opportunity to sacrifice his life, to give his life totally as a living sacrifice to the service of Messiah Yeshua. And he calls people to Philippi, and us by example understand there will be suffering, there will be rejection, but we are to stand tall for the Messiah. We are to stand for the Messiah, living faithful lives for, for him and according to his commands, and to live our lives totally as living sacrifices each day to be asking, what can I do to more and more and more model the Messiah, to be a living sacrifice for the God of Israel and for the, for the honor of Messiah Yeshua, our Lord and King. In verse 18, that will conclude our study for today. We read, likewise, you too should be glad and rejoice with me. As the Philippians would rejoice in God's work in the world, being done through through the life and the suffering of Paul, they should find in their own sufferings opportunity to model their Messiah and to give glory to God for drawing them near his service and the future glory of the Messianic age. This rejoicing is, is about Paul. This rejoicing is not about Paul's suffering, persecution, for the sake of being persecuted in some self-destructive sense. But the rejoicing in the furthering of the work of Yeshua in the world through the suffering and persecution, this is not somehow some, some masochistic, you know, self-destructive understanding of, of suffering for the Messiah and being persecuted and seeking a persecution and suffering to fulfill some self-destructive, self-destructive desire or need but Paul is calling the Philippians to understand that in their suffering, they are truly following the example of the Messiah. They are willing, their willingness to suffer and to die for their faith shows that they are truly modeling the Messiah. And they should be glad in the opportunity to be a living sacrifice, not as in a self-destructive way, but as a way of understanding that in their being persecuted in this world as lights in a dark world, as their light is challenged, they are to stand firm and to rejoice in the opportunity that as they rejoice in the opportunity to be living sacrifices, to know that there will be consequences, there will be suffering, there will be rejection for calling Messiah Lord, will be suffering from their community, suffering from their families, they will be choosing to follow the God of Israel and a step outside of the pagan world of their of of their their pre-Yeshua existence. Their life they, they lived 
before they knew the Messiah, the connection to the religious traditions of their family. They'll be laying aside all of this and separating themselves from family and also from society too, as they reject the emperor cult. And in essence, say Yeshua is Lord, Nero is not Lord. They're also standing against their the political leadership to acknowledge the messiahship of Yeshua. But Paul, but Paul calls them as he rejoices in the opportunity to serve and to suffer for the Messiah. He calls the Philippians, and us by example too, to understand that we need to stand strong. We need to be willing to suffer for the Messiah, to be persecuted, to even to lay down our lives for him. And to rejoice in this opportunity that Yeshua gave his life for us, his self-sacrifice bought, bought our atonement, brought us into a full atonement that only he could provide, that brought those, those from Israel and from the nations fully atoned in the work of the Messiah. And we are to understand that because of the great work of the Messiah in our life, his willingness to suffer, we are, as his Talmudim, called to be willingness to suffer, and as Paul says, to rejoice in the opportunity. We are given to be persecuted in this world, persecuted in this wicked and perverse generation, as Paul called it, which, which would apply to both, both the Roman world at that time and you know, the 21st century world of our time. But Paul calls people of Philippi, and us by example, to rejoice in our connection to the Messiah. And because of his love for us, we show our love for him by standing counter to a world, then as lights in a dark world. Paul calls the people of Philippi and us by example, to give our lives as living sacrifices to the God of Israel modeling the Messiah of Israel and to stand firm in our faith and to rejoice in the opportunity we have to know the God of Israel and to even like our Messiah to suffer and die for our faith. And this concludes our time looking at this section of Paul's calling the people of Philippi to, to move more into understanding their new life in the Messiah Paul's calling them to living the new life of the Messiah and to live lives that model the Messiah by avoiding avoiding those things that distract from from unity, distract from the true witness of the Messiah in the world through arguing, disagreements, grumbling, even kvetching, and to stand blameless in this in the world that is that is is twisted and perverted to, to live lives modeled by God's Torah, to live lives within the, the bounds of, of godly living that, we, that is given to us in the Torah and to stand as lights even though we, we live in a dark world. And in this world, to hold on to the word of life, to hold on the good news of the Messiah Yeshua, to know that our life now and life in the world to come is guaranteed by our fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Yeshua the Messiah, that we stand we stand as, as redeemed Jews, redeemed Gentiles, 
in the atoning work of Yeshua the Messiah, in the work of the Messiah on our behalf, we stand in in relationship with the Father, with the Son, with the Rock Hodesh, the one God of Israel is our God, and we have given ourselves totally over to him. And as he, and as we conclude the passage talking about the importance of understanding life, the new life in the Messiah is a life of self-sacrifice, a life of of being a living sacrifice for the Messiah, willing to stand within a dark world, within a wor- world that is is against the God of Israel, against the light, living as lights in a dark world, and to be willing to stand even if it involves suffering, knowing that we can rejoice that we have been given the opportunity to like our, our Messiah, to model our Messiah, and to stand firm in our faith. And if it involves suffering, to to embrace that, not in a self-destructive way, but in a way of, of truly living out the modeling of the Messiah, being coming more and more and more in the Messiah. And that's what we see today from Paul's letter to Philippi that we looked at verses 12 through 18, chapter 2. And we will continue on tomorrow looking at the examples of Timothy and Epaphroditus, two men who are familiar to the people in Philippi, two leaders in the early Messianic community, and their example of being like the Messiah. And that's verses 19 through 30 of chapter 2. We'll be looking at, at these as we at these examples of these two men who model the Messiah and are examples for the people in Philippi, and us by example of people who are living their lives become more and more and more in the Messiah. So that will conclude our time today. Again, this is Letter to Philippi Live, a daily live broadcast on Facebook Live, Instagram Live, Twitter Live, YouTube Live. And we come to you at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 p.m. Jerusalem Time. And uh, we will continue our study in Paul's Letter to Philippi. Letter to Philippi Live is an initiative of LetterToPhilippi.org, a new Messian and Jewish theological teaching organization, which I'm the founder and teacher. And if you want any more information about our work, go to LetterToPhilippi.org. There you can watch previous classes. You can ask any questions. You can leave a prayer request. You can purchase a copy of my Messianic commentary, which is the basis for this class. You can give a much-needed financial contribution to our work, whether a one-time or an ongoing contribution. We are an independent organization. We don't have have funding from outside sources. We we only have you, the people who watch our, our classes, who purchase our materials and support our work. We ask you, as we conclude this, this year here of 2021 and move toward 2022, to make a much needed contribution and keep our work going into the into the next year as we continue to expand our teaching our our video and also look, looking into print materials to expand the work of letter to philippi into 2022 and beyond and you can be a part of that at letter to philippi.org so thank you for watching again my name is sean Imsley. this has been letter to philippi live and again you can go to letter to philippi.org for any questions for any information you're looking for. 
And as I said, if you have questions or prayer requests, please leave them there. And I will look to respond to you and also to pray for your requests. So thank you for watching. And uh, we will be, be uh, concluding our time today. And uh, we will be seeing you tomorrow for, uh, as we look into the examples of Timothy and Epaphroditus, two godly men who are, well, Paul puts forward, examples to the people of Philippi of those living more and more and more in the Messiah. Thank you for watching. Shalom. Have a great day.